Hi, I'm Kaylee Moore. And I'm Emma Samasco. Welcome to Freelance Writing Coach, your go-to podcast for building a freelance writing business. In each 20-minute episode, we'll do a deep dive into one area of business with the hope that our insights as successful freelance writers will educate and inspire you. This season is sponsored by Editor Ninja, the internet's favorite flat rate content editing service. Founded by veteran marketer and entrepreneur John Doherty, Editor Ninja provides professional editing services for a flat rate. No more nickel and diming over individual content pieces. Just subscribe and add content to your queue and your dedicated editor will get to work. Schedule a free editorial assessment with John today at editorninja.com slash demo. So we have a special episode today. This is exciting. We have a guest with us today. And today we're going to be speaking with John, the founder of Editor Ninja, who is our lovely sponsor this season. And I think a good place to start here is, John, for our listeners to get a little bit of background and context on you and your expertise and what you've been doing and how you got to the point where you founded Editor Ninja. So let's start there. Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, Kaylee and Emma. I really appreciate the opportunity and super happy to sponsor this season. Yeah. So I mean, I'm John Doherty. I'm the founder of Editor Ninja. I'm also the founder of a company called Credo, where over the last seven and a half years, we've helped 7,000 plus companies connect up with agencies and helped over 400 agencies get uh, new clients as well. So that business is a bit more established and my team basically runs that. Editor Ninja is where the design pickle of content editing. So basically flat rate subscription, add content to your queue, and we assign an editor to it and they edit it and it gets sent back to you in about a business day. So that's what Editor Ninja is. My background, I come from a marketing background, specifically search engine optimization and content marketing, inbound marketing background. I've been a blogger since about 1999 or 2000. And then did some, uh, I've done software development. I basically say I do everything in business except for design. And I married a software designer. So, hey, that works out well. And uh, yeah, so I, I worked for a couple of agencies, one in Philadelphia as a link builder. One, I worked for Distilled in New York City from 2011 to 2013. And they were partnered with Moz. So got to do a lot of uh, writing about and had a very active uh, kind of SEO and digital marketing blog for a number of years. And I went in-house for a couple of years and with Zillow and ran marketing on a couple of their brands, um, hotpads.com and Truly Rentals. And then September 2015, I got laid off and decided, listen to that still small voice that is always there, but we rarely hear or listen to. That still small voice telling me, don't take another job. Don't go have a boss again. You don't want to do it. And so I picked up some SEO consulting clients and uh, started working on Credo, which was called Hire Gun at the time. And then I launched EditorNinja.com in May or June of 2020, did a few kind of projects through there, just kind of slinging them by email and finding editors and, and all of that. And uh, got to about November, December 2021 and looked back and got in a big editing project and the agency that was putting together a sales deck. They needed proofread and copy edited. And we did that. And I was like, it was a decent size, couple hundred dollar project. I was like, huh, I wonder what Editor Ninja has done this year for revenue. And I looked back, it had done about $1,000 in revenue and about 15, 20 documents. And I was like, hang on, there's something here. Because I had maybe worked 15 hours all year on it. And so I built out, I formed the LLC mid-December 2021, launched the project or the, the product, the subscription product, January 7th of 2022. 
by the end of that day, had a, we were doing a thousand in MRR and monthly recurring revenue. Um, and it's just, you know, it was a side project. I just started working on it a lot more over the course of the year. It just as it's kind of pushed, uh, as it's demanded more. And so now I'm, I'm spending a lot of my time on it. Still, still very involved with Credo and the team there and all of that. But as I said, they're, they're, the team is, is mainly running it at this point. I'm kind of re- directing strategy. But uh, yeah, Editor Ninja is, uh, is kind of what I'm pushing on hard these days. And we've got a good team of editors and you know an MVP product, workflow software that kind of facilitates everything. So that's kind of the long and the short of it. Very nice. Yeah. So it sounds like once you got it out there, people were interested and you saw people being like, oh, wow, this is something that I could use. I'm curious, like for freelancers in particular, especially freelance writers, like why do you think outsourcing this kind of thing is is something that freelancers should be considering in the first place? So the real reason why I think freelancers should be considering outsourcing various tasks, not just editing, right? Like we exist for editing, but then there's, you know, there's fractional finance people, there's fractional operations people, there are virtual assistants, like all of that. Really, it comes down to what is your time best spent on and what is directly contributing to kind of the bottom line, right? Because freelancers like to say, oh, it's an art and that sort of stuff, which it is, but you're also running a business. And so if you're able to charge, let's say, $1,000 for a, a multiple thousand word blog post or article, right? Maybe takes you four or five hours to write that, right? You're basically making about $200 an hour, right? $150, $200 an hour, let's say. Editing, copy editing, and proofreading is like a thirty to thirty-five dollar an hour task. So you can make two hundred plus dollars an hour. Why are you going and working on something that you know you could pay someone you know literally a sixth of what you are worth per hour? Right. That happens uh, across the board, and I think we always need to be taking kind of like a time audit. Where's my time going? What am I spending it on? Is this actually driving revenue? That sort of thing. But the way I think about it is, if you're worth two hundred dollars an hour, and you know we can save you. 15 hours a month, right, is, is usually what we find. Someone doing 12 to 15 articles a month, getting those edited through us, we're saving them 15, 20 hours a month, right? Multiply that by 200. You're basically, you could be making an additional couple thousand dollars working on what you love, writing, research, et cetera. And for our you know monthly fee, we're basically saving you that amount of time. Does that make sense? So instead of like spending $4,000 worth of time editing. You get that time back. Yeah, you, you buy all that time back. Yeah, I think one thing that we talk about on our podcast a lot too is that people choose to be freelancers. It's a financial decision, but also like they want the flexibility. And so whether you choose to spend those hours saved on more lucrative revenue generating work or just going on a walk or going to the grocery store or for some extra travel time, like it's all valid, right? It's all about just being more efficient with your time. Totally. And what I usually see and what I've experienced myself, I mean, I've hired over 50 people in the last six years in freelance contract and full-time roles. It's some combination therein. If I'm going to spend $1,000 on a contractor for something or a freelancer for something, I'm going to make sure I'm going and working on things that can generate you know, at least that much, if not like multiples of that revenue, right? I want hiring them to enable me to make 3x what I'm paying them. So if I'm paying someone $1,000, I want to go and make an additional $3,000, right? So I end up with net 2,000 more. But I can usually do that. And you know, if they're saving me 20 hours worth of time, I can probably do that in 10 hours, right? So now I have another 10 hours. So I can go and work on a, a different thing that's revenue generating or yeah, I can work less, right? 
But I think the mistake people often make then makes them stop outsourcing is they're like, well, I'm spending this $1,000 a month, right? But I'm not making a 1000 more. That's just straight coming from my own pocket, right? That doesn't feel good to anybody. So make sure that you're at least taking some of that time and spending it on, a, on something that's going to make you more and is going to make like look at it as an investment, not as an expense. People are investments, not expenses. Yeah, that's a great point. And I'm curious, like we talk to a lot of freelancers and one thing that I hear from them is sometimes they're like afraid to get started with outsourcing because I think financially they're like, oh my gosh, can I afford or should I be putting all of this money into it? Which I think you just address. And also they are worried that someone is like not as good as them or their clients only want them or... I'm not sure. I think it's one of the reasons that editing is a good thing to start outsourcing with as opposed to like, I don't know, there's a million things you can outsource. But if you're doing editing, it's really taking what you have. So I'm curious about how much your editors, for example, are kind of changing the existing document and and if freelancers should be concerned about things, I don't know, running away from them. Yeah, it's a good question. And, and let me first disagree with you that I think... I mean, all of us as entrepreneurs, whether you're a freelancer running a business with multiple employees, we all have self-limiting beliefs like that. And often it comes from fear that we're afraid or we just don't do it because we just don't know, right? We're either afraid of it, more so afraid of the unknown, which is why I always tell people like, well, then don't overcommit yourself, right? So I have an assistant and, but I did not just go straight to having a full-time assistant that manages my calendar and my inbox and my scheduling and all that stuff. I started off with an outsourced virtual assistant service called Fancy Hands. I paid him 25 bucks a month and I got five requests a month. So I could have him like call my electrician to come fix something at my house, right? So it was like a call I didn't have to do, but I basically learned how to write like, hey, can you do this thing for me, right? Like sorts of tasks. So I started, I stepped into it and then eventually worked up to having a full-time assistant, but I didn't start with the full-time assistant. To your question specifically about like how much our editors are changing content, what I tell people is like, think about editing or just anything we do in terms of like levels of effort, right? So say you have a hundred basis points, a hundred editing points a month, right? My goal, our goal is to take about 90 of those off of your plate. So we're not taking all of the work off your plate. You should still be looking at it just like your clients shouldn't completely abdicate, right? Because there's a difference between delegation and abdication. They shouldn't abdicate the like content review process completely, right? Like, yes, you can get someone to create the brief and write it and edit it and all of that. But the client should still be looking at it before it even goes out, right? So like even hiring a content freelancer to write for them, it's not completely eliminating the client's like need to do anything around content for marketing purposes, right? They're just outsourcing, delegating most of the work to you. So we do the same thing, right? We'll leave comments where it's like, hey, I changed this. I'm not quite sure it's correct. Like, could you take a look at it? Or, you know, this isn't quite clear here. And we do default to changing and actually making the change instead of like suggesting the change. But if there's an area where we're like, we're not quite sure, we'll leave a comment on the Google Doc and just say like, I'm not quite sure what you're trying to say here. I think you're trying to say this and then give a suggestion, but we're not going to go and change it if we're not sure of the change. Does that make sense? So if you're spending an hour editing like a blog post right now, my goal is that we're taking 55 of those minutes off of your plate, right? So you're spending five minutes with it, resolving a couple quick things, doing a cursory read through, and then boom, it's good to go. Yeah, I think your point about always having to be involved to some extent is a point well taken to whether you're in-house working as the content marketer or you're a freelancer managing people that are outsourcing things for you. And I also think what you said about 
just outsourcing a little bit at a time is a great tip for anyone who wants to get started with outsourcing. Like you can have Editor Ninja edit one document for you, right? And like test it out one by one or the virtual assistant thing you mentioned, like you could try one task. It doesn't necessarily have to be like, oh, I'm hiring this person who's going to take half my workload and be prohibitively expensive for me. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's exactly why we have our the single document option with Editor Ninja as well is we talked to someone about the subscription, you know, the subscription is multiple hundreds of dollars, you know, a month. And it can be a fairly big ask, right? Or like an annual deal. They're like, well, we haven't seen what you have. Like, well, let's get a single document done. Then you can see how the product works actually built out in December. So like, People requesting single documents also have a login. They can use the product, et cetera, and get a feel for how it all works. So you can see the kind of feedback that's coming back. You can write a brief, right? And kind of uh, get started in that way. Makes it very easy to kind of like stair step into it. And honestly, I think that applies just like to anything related to freelancing, et cetera. Like if you're selling $5,000 a month, like content retainers, someone that's never worked with a content freelancer before, like, they're not going to say yes to that, right? Well, hey, may- maybe you can sell them a bundle of three, right? <laughs> like three pieces like let's, or two. Like, let's get started there. Show you what I can do. We can see if we work well together, right? And kind of pitch it that way of like, I'm not just an order taker. I'm actually seeing if you're a good fit for me as a client as well, right? If I was a content freelancer. And then you can start there and then sort of step into it. And they're like, this is awesome. You've saved me so much time. Now, how do I hire you for ongoing work? Well, I'm glad you asked, right? That kind of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. One of the things I'm curious about, and I'm always just kind of curious how things operate on the back end, is tell us about kind of your screening and vetting process for these editors that you hire as part of your team. I think that's something that a lot of writers are curious about, especially bringing somebody external in as part of this outsourcing process. Tell us what that looks like and what people are signing up for when they work with a service like Editor Ninja. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll caveat it with every service has its own ways of doing it. So I can tell you how we do it. So when you're starting a business like Editor Ninja or even Credo, right, where there's kind of a supply side and a demand side, just any sort of agency even, you kind of need to have a cheat code on one side or the other. So either like on the demand side, so getting clients, getting customers, or on the supply side. I kind of have both in that like, Editor Ninja's best customers were also Credo's best customers, but also my assistant from Credo, Sophia, she is a dual MFA professionally trained editor. And so her program has had 7,000 people graduate from it. So we kind of tap into that. And it's been awesome. And so basically like, okay, we need another editor. So Sophia goes and kind of puts out the call, right? Across like their Facebook, alumni Facebook group and that sort of stuff. Gets people that are interested. She kind of screens them, right? Does reference checks, that sort of thing. But we also do a test project. We pay them, but we have a a document, the same document. So we're not like doing a test project with like a customer's documents. But we have a blog post that I think I wrote that she sends to all of them. She's basically like, hey, could you copy edit and proofread this, right? Um, And kind of gives them a couple of guidelines like make the changes on suggesting that kind of thing. If you're not sure, like, you know, we leave comments or, you know, you want to point something out to the customer, we leave comments, right? And basically just let them go at it, not give them too much direction. And then when it comes back, then basically Sophia QAs their work. And that's the same process that we use with customer documents as well. We just facilitate all of that via the software that I've built, the workflow software that we have internally, but uh, kind of a double QA process where it's like, all right, editor edits it, they kind of QA their own work, make sure they didn't introduce any new typos, send the, the copy, the Google Doc with all the edits on it, send that to QA, aka Sophia or me, 
And then we will QA that as well. So we call it our double QA process. But we do that when we are vetting out new editors as well. So we are like checking their work and all of that. QA being quality assurance? Exactly. Quality assurance. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I'm also curious too, for the people who use this service, do you see kind of a common theme or just like a a demographic of freelancers who use the service? Like what are some of the commonalities? Like, are they at a certain number of years doing this? Is their workload at a certain thing, at a certain capacity? The people who come to you, and this might not be insight that you have, but it was just something that popped into my brain is like, when people are ready to outsource this piece of the puzzle, what is it that's brought them to you? Is it that they need more time? Is it that they feel too close to the piece because they spent so long writing it? Like, what are the things that bring them to Editor Ninja? So usually when a freelancer comes to us, it's because they have a a few years of experience. They've been writing for a while. They have some good-sized customers. And basically, they've tapped out what they are able to do themselves. So they've signed enough clients and it's just like a ton of work and they're working too many hours and that sort of thing. And they're trying to figure out how they scale. I very much believe like we hire people to be able to scale. I mean, Dan Martell says, you know, you hire people to buy back your time. I mean, he literally wrote the book on it, which was released today when we're recording it. And I I learned hiring and, and outsourcing and how to think about it from Dan, honestly. What's the name of that book, John? I think it's literally called The Buyback Principle or Buy Back Your Time or something like that. Yeah, buy back your time, get unstuck, reclaim your freedom, and build your empire. So I was in Dan's SaaS Academy for a few years um, with Credo. But yeah, to your question, Kaylee, that's really when we see it. It's when they're kind of tapped out and they're trying to figure out what what do they outsource first. And they usually realize that they love the strategy and the writing and the client management, and not necessarily the editing and kind of that final like 10 to 15%, which we all know really matters, but also takes quite a bit of time. And so for every five hours they buy back, they can go sell another $1,000 like blog post, right? And if we, they can buy back 15 to 20 hours a month from us, that's another like three posts that they can write every month, right? And so that's literally like, I mean, yeah, you're paying whatever hundreds a month for an editor. And we do, um, to answer a question you asked, previous question, Kaylee, we do every account, every subscription account does have kind of a primary editor. We don't call them dedicated because they're also working on other customers, but it is the person that is, primarily working on your content. You have a backup editor as well. And that's the challenge with working with just another editing freelancer as opposed to a service like ours is you have one freelancer and what happens if they get sick for two weeks, right? What happens if they need to go on vacation for two weeks? I highly encourage vacations, right? But like if they don't have a backup, there's a solo person who's going to do it. You're not going to get content edited for two weeks. That's no good. We have backup editors that are already familiar with your project so they can just step on in if the primary edit something happens to the primary editor. And I heard that it's a one business day turnaround time. Is that right? Yeah. And what that means is you sign up and you add five documents into your queue. We're starting work on the first one, basically that day. And then it's coming back to you the next day. And then the next day, we're starting work on the second one. It'll come back to you the following day, right? We work on a document at a time like that. So it's, it's a queue format. If you need more than that, I mean, we have some customers that we're editing five, six documents a day for them. Our pricing kind of scales with that. So we edited 1.3 million words in our first year. It's about 850, 870 documents. So like we can edit content at scale. But yeah, that's basically how we stage out the work. Emma. That's really fast. I mean, that's so great for anybody using the service is like, you don't have to work super ahead of schedule and build in an extra three to five business days for the editing process. I feel like one business day is, is such a, that's so quick. And that's so nice for the person using the service. 
Totally. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly why I built it this way. And and basically I say like if like I, I assign doc, I'm still doing all the document assigning. So documents are added to the queue and then I go in, I assign it to the editors with a start date and a due date. If you don't have anything in your queue and you have it uploaded basically by when I'm I'm assigning documents in the morning, which is between eight and nine AM mountain time, I'm just gonna assign it to an editor to start the start it on that day. There's no reason for me to delay it to not be worked on the next day if you don't have anything else that's being worked on that day, right? I'm just gonna assign it. We're gonna get it done for you and it'll be back the next day. If it's uploaded at like four PM my time, yeah, I'm assigning it for the next day to get done, you know? But we rock through it. I mean, I my number one fear with this business is that we're going to elongate people's production cycles, which makes your life harder. Our goal is to make your life easier. (laughs) So we have to be able to turn it around pretty quickly. So I think to kind of wrap things up here, if you were to speak with a freelancer who was thinking about using the service and they were kind of in their head about it, they had some anxiety, they were unsure, they've never done any sort of outsourcing before, what advice would you give to them to encourage them to give it a try? So I would give them two pieces of advice. And the second one we already said, but I'll reiterate it. But the first piece of advice that I would give them is take a look at your calendar. Do a time audit. A time and energy audit is really what you look at. And so you you can do it either proactively, like present day, or you can look at it retroactively. I prefer to do it retroactively. And basically what you do is you look at your calendar for the last two weeks or your time tracking or whatever, some combination of those things. And basically say, okay, how much time did I spend in meetings, writing, editing, doing business finances. I don't know. You'll see the categories and then say, okay, what brought me energy and what didn't, right? And so what do I love doing? Also, what am I spending a lot of time on, right? Like if you're spending, Dan's, Dan's, uh, this is like free advertising for Dan. I didn't mean it to be this way, but like Dan taught me this stuff. Basically, like if over 50% of your time is going to something that is not your like kind of main thing, right? Keep the main thing, the main thing. If you're spending like 50% of your time I don't know, sending invoices to clients, right? Maybe hire a part-time, like a fractional operations person or like a VA that can you can teach your you know invoicing process and they can do all of that, right? And you bought back 50% of your time, you know, and keep on doing that and do this audit every like few months. And so for, for freelancers and freelance content writers, hopefully you're spending the majority of your time writing, right? But if you're spending 40% of your time editing and you could charge more, you could do more content, right? By outsourcing that, maybe looking to outsource editing is a, you know, is a good idea. That's where I would start and just kind of do that audit and do it really quarterly to every six months. That's how often I do it. I've done that for years. And then the second piece of advice I would give them is start small, right? We already talked about that, but start small. So, you know, if it's just like outsourcing business tasks, sign up to Fancy Hands. It's 25 bucks a month and start like giving them things to do and see that like other people can do these things, right? Like give up that control and let them prove to you that like giving up that control is okay. You do not need to be the person calling your electrician about a problem at your house. Someone else can make that call just as easily. And, you know, with editing or whatever, like get a single document done, right? Do a test project. Look at it as a test project. See if it saves you time, right? And kind of go from there. But yeah, you don't have to jump into, you know, full-blown retainer, hire a full-time editor sort of thing. Like just get a document done or get a line of code written for a website or something like that, right? Some small task that starts you seeing that like, oh, wow, I actually am not required for this. And actually my clients don't even know and they don't even care, right? They're hiring me for the writing. Like they don't care that I'm getting someone else to like proofread it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And if anything, it's probably a a quality boost too because you've got that second set of eyes looking over it, making suggestions, poking holes and things. So you got it. You really can't go wrong with that. And you all you get is more time, which is something we talk about all the time on this podcast is like, 
how do you really get to enjoy the freedom and flexibility of freelancing? Because that's kind of what you signed up for when you went this way. How do you free yourself from being chained to the desk eight, nine, 10 hours a day? And this is a really simple way to do that through outsourcing. So yeah, I think there's a value add as well, which is that you mentioned like maybe the clients don't care, but I think freelancers can position it also as a value add as like we use a professional editing service. Everything we do is professionally edited and proofread and that that sells the client on the services as well. Totally, totally. No, I, I completely agree with that. And an interesting thing we actually see is sometimes writers will be asked by their clients, like, hey, you know, do you all, what sort of editing do you do? And you can either, yeah, like bring us on and use that as a thing. Or we actually see some clients, they're, you know, relying on their freelancer to produce like a pretty good kind of second draft sort of thing. And then they're spending a bunch of time editing. So we actually get content like managers that are working with content freelancers retaining us to edit content that's being produced by their content people. So that's a way as well. If they're like, hey, I'm spending a ton of time on this. Well, you know, here's a way that you can kind of buy back some of your time or or in that case, just be like, you know what? You kind of bake it into your pricing and just, you know, kind of go directly and make sure that they know that you've done that for them. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, John, for coming on the podcast with us, sponsoring us, sharing your insights. I encourage everyone listening to think about outsourcing and what might be the best things to outsource for you. Editing is certainly an excellent one and Editor Ninja is a great way to get started. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Freelance Writing Coach Podcast. If you want more tips, tricks, and resources for building your business, visit freelancewritingcoachpodcast.com.